Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 27, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 11, and we're on page 162, the second paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Katie G., 12 Traditions, Matt M., Reading the text are Susan H., Vinnie T., and Katie G. The reference numbers for Monday, November 26, 2018, for the 7 a.m. is 12223. That's 12,223. And for the 10 a.m. is 12,225. That's 12225. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie G. to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Katie. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Oh, can you hear me? Katie? Yes. Okay, perfect. Sorry. KDG recovered. Um, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Um, Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. I apologize for the background, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for allowing me to be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Katie. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 Traditions. Hi, thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater from New Jersey. 
the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is the one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself by our group conscience, a for trusted servants that do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name, OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise that's promised the money, property, and prestige to furnish for a primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professionals, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service forces and committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn to budget controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles in our personalities. Thank you very much, Victor. Thank you so much, Matt. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 162, the second paragraph that starts, Someday, we hope, and we're reading through three paragraphs, ending with um, willingness, patience, and labor. And I will ask Susan H. to begin reading. Good morning. Can you hear me, Katie? Yes, thank you. Okay, this is Susan H. I am a recovered compulsive eater in Ohio and very grateful today. Someday, we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. To some extent, this is already true. Some of us are salesmen and go about. Little clusters of twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities through contact with our two larger centers. Those of us who travel drop in as often as we can. This practice enables us to lend a hand at the same time avoiding certain alluring distractions of the road about which any traveling man can inform you. Thus we grow, and so can you, though you be but one man with his book in in your hand. With this book in your hand, we believe and hope it contains all you will need to begin. We know what you're thinking. 
you are saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped a source of power much greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing, what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And I remember, I remember the terror I had the first time I read that. Oh, I'm really jittery and alone. I don't know about this. I had written at the bottom of my reading there, pray for a personality change. And gradually, it came about. Um, what I see in this reading is uh, two encouragements. One, uh, encouragement to visit other meetings if you can. Share your experience, strength, and hope, and identify with that weakness that binds us together, with the disease that binds us together. Um, encouragement to sponsor. I think I'm finally beginning to, well, yes, I'm beginning to understand that it is more of a danger not to sponsor than to sponsor. I get so much every time that I open up, ask God to take over and get out this book. I'm so reassured that the directions are here. There are directions to sponsor. There are directions to recover are right here in the book. I am remembering my initial fear. What if I fail? What if I cause harm? But I was practicing self-will. I understand that I can't bestow anything on anyone. My aim is to share what I've been given, shine a light on the directions that are right here in the big book. And the real work is between the sponsee and their higher power. Lack of power was always my dilemma. I'm so grateful to now be depending on a high, higher power. This is the real gift of this program, finding a power who loves me absolutely and guides me. And I'm very grateful for that today. I'll pass. Thank you, Susan. Okay, so we are on page 162, the second paragraph, Someday We Hope. Reading through three paragraphs, ending on page 163, Willingness, Patience, and Labor. Who would like to share? Adam. This is Kim Larry Kay. Lance Lance. 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 Nessa R. Nessa R. Someone K, who was it? Pamela Kim K. Leah Pamela S. K. Oh, I got Pam. you, Leah S. Madam. I got you, Matt. Okay, let's and Janice stop there. PM. Okay. And Janice PM. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so I have Matt M, Larry K, Lance R, I think it is, Leah S, Nessa R, Pam, I'm sorry I missed your initial, Kim G, and Janice PM. So, Matt M, if you could get us started, please. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M, the proposal over here from New Jersey. I wasn't sure I was going to share, but when I heard the fact that I'm just one man with this book, I learned that, you know, I might be one man with this book, but I'm learning a lot from my sponsor and what I've gotten from this book has given me so much, you know. It's given me the confidence I've needed to move forward in my life. I was able to gain, be gainfully employed now. 
for the last couple of weeks, I just started a new job. I'm, become, I'm living the traditions of my life on a daily basis. I'm becoming fully self-supporting around contributions, either soliciting or accepting outside donations. I am looking into my life in a different way possible, and hopefully in a few weeks, I'll be a week or two, I'll be able to sponsor. And uh, I'm moving up in the world. I'm recovered and working one day at a time to keep myself of water by accessing power. I pray every morning and every evening, and when, when in doubt, I, as I go through the daily, I pause when the actions are doubtful and ask for the right better action. And many times each day saying, my, I will, my will be, my, your will, not mine, be done. You know, so I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to recover because so many people didn't have that chance. So many people didn't wake up today. I was one of the lucky ones. And every day, every day, I'm well, live well, I am well. And uh, there really is a new, a new way of living in essence. It's really true. And uh, this program gives me that one day at a time. I'm so grateful to be here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Lance L. Hi, Katie. Thank you for your service. And uh, good morning, everyone. The, um, you know, I want to focus on, um, I think I want to focus mostly on patience. You know, it talks about willingness, patience, and labor. Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how I'm behaving while I'm waiting. And we need more than just strength in this daily walk, right? We, we need perseverance and grit at times. And, and the problem for someone like me is waiting patiently often feels like I'm, I'm reining in like wild horses. I want to force and jam home this desired outcome. And on the outside, maybe I appear calm, but while on the inside, I was always restless. And, and then God becomes my errand boy. You know, when I want my payoff, God, I want my payoff yesterday. Uh, don't you know who I am? I'm a very important man. <laughs> and, and God, you know, if you, if you took the time to read the script that I wrote, you'd surely know the timing and pacing that I demand from you. Now, you, you better get with the program, God, or I'm going to be forced to have you replaced. See, that's what it felt. See, the, the true patience means waiting on God's script, not my script. And, I mean, maybe there were some things I needed to learn about myself before there was this kind of sustainable spiritual change, before it was possible. And the key was trusting in the outcome. And those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait. And we remind ourselves each day that God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And perhaps, you know, there was some misunderstanding on my part about what true patience was, because I, I saw patience as merely an absence, an absence of complaint and anger as I suffered. Yet true patience was always presence. It was a presence of trust and a presence of love. You know, the farmer has patience and the farmer, she he trusts the steps leading towards the harvest. And he just has the faith and the deep understanding that, you know, he's going to take daily efforts and the crops will eventually come. There may be storms. You're never not quite sure what's going to happen. And then one day, almost out of nowhere, they do. That's the miracle. So I found a prayer that's helpful. Here, you know, one for me. God, I've grown deeply weary and given up on waiting. I've gone it alone and tried to make things happen. And I've been holding myself hostage to perfectionism. And help me today to re receive your patience and then and then give it to others. 
you know, to use a baseball analogy, I have to keep God in first place here. Because if God has to leap over these other teams to get to first place, you know, I have to look at my pride and desire to be my own coach. In my impatience, am I trying to be both the manager and the player? I need to give up the job of being the manager, just the player. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Lance L., you're up, followed by Leah S. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lance L. I'm a recovered compulsive leader from California. And uh, thank you so much for opening up this line. And um, I uh, have been through two of my routine binge holidays. And right now the score is two for me and zero for this mental illness I have. Um, The reason I have that is because I have this playbook that I use. And uh, with this playbook, I have a step-by-step instructions on how to make the plays against my challenger. Um, I'm in constant competition with this disease. And uh, I have a team. I have a team I play with and a coach. You know, I've only tapped into the source of my higher power, which means that I need to keep drilling home this in order to maintain that. If I don't, there's another binge holiday around the corner. There's another day today. I can binge today. I can take it out on my family. I can take it out on my friends. I can blame people for all of the times that I fall, but so far I've been so successful in this program because I put the play-by-play book into action. I, uh, I'm grateful to be on this line, and uh, I pass. Thank you, Lance. Okay, Leah S., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. My name is Leah S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. Thus we grow. And so can you. Wow. Um, uh, For your information, I was almost 60 years old when I came into this program five years ago. So what are they saying? They're saying that everything in this book is is very true, and um, the first 164 pages were not changed. So everything that I'm reading over here is very true. What do you mean, thus we grow? Well, let me attempt to explain this to newcomers. When you have your first abstinent day, complete abstinence, that is a miracle. That is something that is new to you and to your body. That is so big. And that is what I call growth. It is a new kind of of space you're in. And as you go along, you will see more things, and more things will be revealed to you. Just by following these 12 steps, you will see things that used to happen to you that are different today, and they are happening in a different way. 
that is growth. That is recovery. That is straining to get to a place where you feel free of not needing the food to suffice all these emotions or rather rather facing them head on and dealing with them. That is the miracle. That is the growth of this program. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, Nessa R., you're up, followed by Pam. Nessa, star one to unmute. Hi, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Uh, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, when I first put down the food, um, I was under the illusion that just by putting down the food and praying to God, things were going to happen to me, that um, the, the obsession was going to leave me, the food wasn't going to be an issue for me anymore, and I was going to be thin. Um, and, you know, guess what? It didn't happen that way. Uh, it couldn't happen that way because I actually had been doing that for a long time. You know, I had put down the food before, gone on many diets, even lost weight. I had prayed to God, you know, God, please make me thin. You know, God, do this for me. And nothing worked. Why would it work now? You know, and to me, the key is in these three words, um, willingness, patience, and labor. You know, um, and what he talks about here regarding willingness is not the willingness to be thin. It is not even the willingness to be recovered because I was willing, I was always willing. And, you know, not, nothing happened out of that willingness. You know, the willingness is the willingness to tolerate the discomfort that comes from practicing patience and labor, you know, because being abstinent without being recovered is very uncomfortable. And the reason why I always ate was because I didn't want to tolerate discomfort. I felt I couldn't tolerate discomfort. So I numbed out with food. But that, this, this willingness um, to bear the discomfort of patience, of letting things happen and evolve according to God's time, and then more importantly, doing the work, you know, the labor, because this program is a lot of work. If it wasn't, everybody would be recovered. But not everybody wants to um, do the work. Nobody, no, not everybody's willing to, to tolerate the discomfort. So what I was doing was really practicing steps one and 11, you know, putting down the food and praying to God. And hey, what happened to all the stuff in between? You know, it is the stuff in between that gives me the access to God. You know, in step 11, um, if I just short circuit the whole process, I have no access to God. I can pray all I want, but nothing is going to happen. So I have to be willing to tolerate discomfort. I have to be patient. Um, you know, while I go through the labor until I get the results, which will, are going to happen because it's a promise, it's a guarantee. They are going to happen. They're going to materialize, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And it's not up to me. It's, it's up to God. All I have to do is be truly willing, have patience, and, you know, do the work to the best of my ability. Once I figure that out, everything fell into place. It's been almost seven years of recovery, almost seven years of a lighter body, of a normal body, um, and just a beautiful, beautiful life, you know, full of harmony for the most part with my family, with my fellows, my friends. Um, you know, why? The key, again, these three words, willingness, patience, and labor, and I pass. 
Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Pam, I'm sorry I didn't get your initial. And then Kim G. Hey, this is Pamela Kay from Pamela Kay, Carolina. thank you. Can you hear Pamela Kay? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, what stood out to me from the reading this morning was the concept of forgetting. Um, I can really identify with this because uh, there's usually three things that would have uh, stopped me from doing my step work and working my program. One is that I don't think I need it. Um, two is that it's not going to work. And three is that I just forget. Um, I didn't, I wasn't raised with any kind of concept of a higher power. And when I first came into a 12-step program, it was like a light bulb. It was like all of a sudden, you know, all I had to do was hear it. I can, I can, I have a power greater than myself. Oh, I don't have to control everything. I don't have to force outcomes. I don't have to live every second of my life acting out of fear and control and preventing things that I don't want to happen. Oh, and it was like a light bulb and it was just a miracle. Um, and I continue to, to keep that. I have that, my, my spiritual connection when I don't, when it's slipping away, I forget. And this book tells me that that's fine. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean I'm not recovered. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that I'm a human being and I forget. And that's why I need to work the steps every day and call into meetings and do service. And um, I'm very grateful that I have been working with someone who was able to get me, help me get through the the first um, nine steps very quickly so that I could get to steps 10, 11, and 12, which is where I get to do my service every day and, and work with other people and share my story. And this is, this is what keeps me from forgetting is that from the second I wake up and do my 11th step and I ask God to guide my thoughts to the second I go to bed, um, that's a part of me and it's with me all day and it's okay if I forget um, because I can always bring it back. Oh, and one more thing. I realized I had this realization I have this trigger that tells me, oh, wait, it's time to reconnect to my higher power. I have this thought, and it goes like this. I don't want to fill in the blank. Um, so one that happened yesterday was, you know, I don't really want to make a service call. I don't want to do an outreach. I'm tired. I just got off work. The second that thought came through my mind, someone else called me. That's not a coincidence. Um, so when I have that thought, I don't feel like da 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 I can remember that this isn't about what I want um, because that life wasn't working for me very well. This is about finding, seeking, and following what God wants for me. Um, so thanks, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Pamela. Okay, Kim G., you're up, followed by Janice P.M. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., as I'm reading this, I'm just reflecting about my own experience of, of 17 years um, in and out of relapse and then the last eight years of being recovered. And this paragraph just hits me. It says, we know that you, what you are thinking, you're saying to yourself, I am jittery and alone. I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you've just tapped a source of power much greater than yourself to duplicate, to duplicate, to duplicate with such backing. What we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, labor, 
Um, you know, I have to tell you my own personal experience was that I experienced two type of groups in this first 17 years. There were groups that the goal was abstinence only. You know, my opinion is we have a lot of sex and overears anonymous, and they're usually around a food plan. Usually worshiping a food plan, that's the solution. And then I also have experienced groups where they just want to feel better about being, ha being fat, feel better about their eating. It was called fat serenity in the 90s. So once again, my experience is, is in being in a five-year relapse and dialing into a phone meeting, it was like this oasis in the middle of a desert. You know, I found a group where in people in whom the problem had been solved, I saw people focused on this book and the message of the twofold illness, the allergy of the body and the mental twist, and the spiritual solution of duplicating these 12 steps specifically in the big book. And I have to tell you, you know, I felt a little lonely in face-to-face -face meetings because I wasn't identifying in with these messages of worshiping abstinence or just trying to feel better. You know, but it's been a joy. It's been a joy as I come into a meeting and my home group has grown and to see people, this fellowship, grow up about me. It's been a joy to have been on, on this, this specific phone line since its inception in July of 2012 where there was 40 or 50 of us across the country that were, were desperate to be around people that believed in this message as it was written, which means twofold illness and the spiritual solution, and to see it grow into this fellowship that wraps the globe. You know, I was very blessed. I got to lead a big book um, work weekend in Ireland this um, last March, and I was very nervous. I was like, oh, my God, what are I do a lot of cultural references. Are they going to understand is it Americanism versus Ireland? Are they going to get what I'm talking about? But I got to tell you, you can cross that pond, and the allergy of the body and the mental twist doesn't change. There were bobbleheads understanding exactly what I said. And they were as hungry and as thirsty for this solution as I have found in the United States. So as we move forward, you know, through this book, and we're going to be starting over again, you know, are, are we willing to step up to the plate and say the truth of this big book? Are we willing to stand on that firing line for those who are still suffering in this, in this disease? And I have to say I raise my hand, and I'm going to end with the OA Responsibility Pledge of I am responsible. And thank you very much. Bye. Thank you, Kim. Okay, Janice PM, you're up, and then we'll open it up for more people. Well, thank you very much, KDF. Um, my name is Janice PM, and I'm from Massachusetts, and I'm a recovered, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, okay, Kim. Kim always says what I want to say, but that's okay. There's more. This, this chapter, it says, a vision for you. Now, when I see, what is a vision? A vision is an act um, of anticipating that which will come to be in the future. That's what I see as a vision. And so this book, these pioneers are telling us, you know what, Janice? You know what, Kim? You know what, Katie? This can happen to you. This can happen to you if you follow these directions. And that, and I'm going to work on that. Talk about that first pa that first paragraph on 163 again. We know K N O W. To know how to do something is you have to have experience with it, right? So what I see here is because I was powerless about everything, and I embarked on these steps. This is what they're teaching me. I found that power. 
And I got to know the purpose of the program is to know, K-N-O-W, a God of my understanding. Because without that, I will have no peace. I will know no peace. K-N-O-W. Now, if there is no higher power than me, or no God, as I call my higher power, there will be no peace. N-O, no peace. And, you know, I, you know, I've heard of that, and I just love it, because, you know, it's so true. It's not just nice to say. You know, I don't know how to ski, and I certainly don't know how to extract teeth. How can I impart that to somebody else if I didn't have that experience? But let me tell you, I certainly know how to compulsive overeat, and I certainly know today the solution. And, you know, I have a, you know, well, hopefully, you know, I have cancer. And yesterday I got a good result that it's only stage one. What did I do when I came home? The first thing was to praise my higher power for that answer today. And the second thing I did is I've got to give it away because it's not my success. It's my higher power success. That's the way my mind went. Didn't go to eat and celebrate or to call somebody and tell them it was, okay, I have a call coming in at 630, and that's what I'm going to do, willingly. That's the job, to give it back, to be grateful. And that's what I did. That's amazing. I would never, I would be calling, but I certainly want to thank every one of you on this line. You know who you are because I felt the prayers, and that's the, the, that's the miracle of this, program, of this group. You know, first they got recovered, and then their family got recovered, and I will pass with that. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Janice PM, and I'm so happy with that news. Okay, and so if you've joined us in the last few minutes, um, we're on page 162, the second paragraph, and we've read through three paragraphs. Ending on 163 was only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. Who else would like to share? Mary Hello, Marie. Raquel. Reva P. Mary, okay, Mary just a second. Um, wait a second. I, I, <laughs> okay, I think it was Mary B., Raquel, and another R name. Mary H. Vasa O. Okay, Mary H. Okay. Okay, I have Mary. I think it was Mary H, Raquel, someone, Melissa C, Vasa O, and Terry. Was there anyone else I missed? Reva P. Reva P. I knew there was another R in there. Um, Anyone else? Judith R. Judith R. Okay, let's see if we can get through all of you. Okay, Mary H., you're up, followed by Raquel, then Reva P. Hey, this is Mary H., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Wisconsin. Uh, Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, super. (laughs) Oh, I'm really grateful to be on the line today. Um, Thanks, everybody, for your service and for your shares. And... um, I do know something at this point about willingness. I still have a lot to learn about patience uh, and my 
almost four-year-old shows me that every day. Um, but something that at this point that I also know something about is, is labor. And I think it would be easy to read this part and to hear that as physical labor. And there are definitely analogs there. But um, I've had two babies, and I attend other people that are preparing to have babies and that are having babies. And something that I have observed in my own experience and in others' experience is the way that people talk about the pain of labor. Um, talk about it as being different than hitting my thumb with a hammer. <laughs> um, the purpose of the pain that comes from hitting my thumb with a hammer is like an alert system. Uh help, help, my body is saying, like, do something about this, um, you know, put on some ice. <laughs> um, the, the discomfort of labor, the purpose is that the baby is coming out. So, okay, how, what does this have to do with our chapter? <laughs> uh, so, ah, this is an uncomfortable process. I go through pain. And I go through grief. But what has been revealed to me through these steps and from my higher power is that it's all working for me. All the pain, all the grief, all the discomfort, all the joy, all of everything. Everything that happens to me in my life is an agent of God. And if the steps and working with others is the process that's analogous to labor, you know, then at the end there's that spiritual awakening. There's the new life. The new life comes. So I'm especially inspired because right now I am actually on my way to get on a plane to go attend a family member who's going to be having a baby. And here this was right here for me, this little present with a bow. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share. I'm really glad to be here, trudging the road with all of you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Mary. And uh, next we have Raquel, followed by Reba P. Hello. Raquel? Yes, hello. Can you thank hear you. me? Thank you. I can hear you. Yes, we can. Thank you so much, the moderator. And thank you, all my family there. I'm so fortunate to be to 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 be in this on this line and to be with these friends for that many years now, actually from 2010. And things are happening. You know, it says sometimes quicker, sometimes slower. And I always end under my under the breath. Sometimes very slowly. So it's happening. But I'm going through a new phase of surrender. And I don't know what I would do without you guys there, because uh, if God is as gracious to me as he was thus far, um, by uh, December 12th, it'll be 10 years of abstinence. And this is what it takes for me to, and God removed from me the, the bigger, the biggest stuff. And this is what it takes for me to start really doing the work. And it's another level of surrender. You know, I, I really think that the food, 
is is a, a, a Sunday school picnic in comparison to um, to uh, the the character defects and the really the the, the step six and seven and God always comes towards me and facilitates. I just found this book, Drop the Rock. It was in my house since 2004 from a meeting that closed and they deposited their books with me. I'm allowed to keep it for two weeks. It's been in my possession for 2000, from 2005. Why would I find it now when I really need to go deeper in? And so I get a lot of help from this line and I get a lot of help from the fact of what it says here, though you be just one man alone, where is that? How do we believe, how does it say? that? Um, and so can you, though you be but one man with this book in your hand, we believe, and so on. So I, I've been helping myself a lot with the grapevine. I got my abstinence in MA because the talk here was about size of dresses and so on. And uh, he, he, there it was life or death, and for me it is life or death. This book holds for me the key to any future that I will have, ever have. So from, the, from that grapevine, I have here a picture. It's called Leveled. This man is in jail. After 38 years of sobriety, he hit a whole new bottom. Service was the way out. And this is what we are talking about here, of, of building a community around you. And it's happening. You know, it's really happening. But I, I, if I am to stick around, I, I need to have the picture that is here leveled. They have a picture of a, a pillar being hit by that big ball when they are racking a building. And this ball is just hit that pillar, and it's crumbling. So... My ego, whatever I still have left of it, probably a lot more than is good for my health, is um, is being leveled because I really am scared with things of health. And who was there for me until now? Did I do it by myself? So I have to keep on going back to the fear. Time, of the please. Thank you so much. And thanks for your service. And I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, now we have Reva P. followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Reva P. Can you hear me? I can, Reva. Okay. Sorry, I'm having trouble with my phone. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Toronto. Um, the things that struck me this morning is the word duplicate. And when I make a duplicate of something, I get exactly the same thing as the original. Um, and that is so hopeful for me because one of the lies I tell myself, um, and it was certainly that way with the food, and it can be the same thing with everything else in life. Um, I tell myself that I am uniquely defective and that good things will happen to other people and recovery can happen for other people, but it can't happen for me. Um, and, um, that just gets me into a real self-pity, um, doom and gloom, and then I don't take responsibility and do what I need to do. And this, these few paragraphs just nip that whole line of thinking, and they say, no, you can do it. We can all do it as long as, and there's always a condition, that I do the work and I have the willingness, patience, and labor as other people have shared 
The other thing that struck me is about growing. Um, I really came into this program thinking I was going to get there. I was going to um, get control of the food and then get on with my life, sort of like doing a diploma, a degree. I had arrived and I'd be done. Um, and that word grow um, and making a beginning that I have what I need to begin reminds me I'm constantly needing to grow and change. It's like the analogy that people talk about, you know, walking up on a downward escalator. I have to keep putting in the effort um, and get just a little bit ahead of the disease um, because if I don't keep growing and stretching, um, I'm going to slide backwards. Um, and growth is really uncomfortable because it means I'm entering into new territory um, and I'm dealing with change, um, and I really don't like it. And I've had lots of change um, over these past few months, and it's very uncomfortable. But there's no other way. I only have two choices. Either I go forward with willingness, patience, and labor, or I slide backwards. Um, and it says we can all do it as long as I do what I need to do. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Reba. Glad you got back on. And Melissa C., uh, you're up, followed by Vasa O. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. Um, it's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, um, I was thinking about that feeling, that jittery alone feeling, and how, um, you know, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but it was almost surprising to me that I was going to have those kind of feelings um, when I recovered. Like, I had a fantasy, um, even though I was told, you know, no, like, you're going to just have life. But I had this fantasy that um, I was going to get recovered, um, and it was kind of like I was going to ride off into the sunset, never experience jitteriness, some feelings of being alone, um, you know, like that that human kind of thing, that messy feelings, that was reserved for people that were still eating and fat. And, and I thought, well, when you get in a normal-sized body, you're happy. Everything is great. And, you know, and like, yeah, that's certainly not the case. Um, can I be heard? Yes, you're fine. I don't know what oh, that's Okay, I'm sorry. I was hearing and... weird background. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was like, it was surprising. And, and I have had feelings of being really jittery and feeling really alone. But, um, you know, the jitteriness is, is real. You know, that's, it's called fear. And, but the aloneness, you know, just like what I suffered from was seemingly hopeless, that feeling of aloneness, it's seemingly aloneness because, just, you know, we've tapped into this resource, this power that I've, you know, come to discover has always been inside of me. And so I'm really never alone. And when I do have those feelings of jitteriness and believing that I am alone, um, yeah, I'm willing to face it you know, to sit in the discomfort, and I'm glad that that was mentioned here, like, no, I'm not going to get to um, skip it, you know, and and that, um, and then to practice the, the tools, the set, the directions, the steps that, um, that I have learned. So when I have those feelings, um, I, 
I have to stop focusing on me. I, and that's really what we're directed here. Like, it's meaningless for me when I am when I am feeling alone and frightened to um, delve into it more, to analyze, discuss, dissect. Well, why am I afraid? Why are you feeling this way? And what? It's it's actually no. It's really take some action. Get out of my own head. And think about how am I going to grow a fellowship up around me, and how do I do that? It's by giving service. So when I'm feeling jittery and alone, the best thing I can do is help other people, you know, and then I don't feel alone, and my fear gets lifted. Um, thank you. So that I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, next we have Vasa O, followed by Terry. I'm here. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Okay. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recover, compulsive over here calling from Florida. So this is a good few paragraphs. Um, I remember after suffering for so long, so many years, trying to put the food down. There was nothing really in the world that I wanted more than to put the food down. I had a husband. I had a house. I had the kids gradually one thing at a time, but the food was always there, always there in my mind. So I'm just so grateful that I was led into uh, Overeaters Anonymous to my first meeting. And I remember reading, I mean, hearing the, uh, how the program worked. Really have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I kept on hearing. I needed to hear the tools. I needed to hear the 12 steps. I needed to hear how the, uh, how the program worked. It gave me hope. It gave me hope. And I remember it was almost like a promise to me. If you do this, Fausa, you know, I've given to the, the big book. If you do this, this is what's going to happen, but you have to do the work. And I remember feeling jittery at first, you know, and, and alone and lonely, but I, I don't feel like that any longer, you know. I have my programs. I have my higher power in my life. And I do the work, and it, it gave, I had the willingness and the patience. And I know I did not have the patience, but the labor. I was a workaholic. I, you know, I had no problem working. This was more of an emotional work. I was a hard labor worker, digging, gardening, um, digging, you know, putting trees and shrubs in my house. This was more of a mental work. I could just go to a meeting. I could go to a meeting like this and sit and relax and listen to people. What a gift. This, gift, this program is such a gift to me, and it's a gift to all of us if we are open-minded and honest, and that's what I needed to do. And I had to work on the patience because I wanted everything done yesterday, and it's teaching me how to be patient. But I needed to put the food down first, the, my alcoholic foods, and then follow the rest of the directions that I laid in this big book. Thank you, and I pass.
Thank you, Vasa. Okay, now we have Terry. I'm sorry I didn't get your initial. And then Judith R. And we have four minutes, so if you could each take two minutes, that would be awesome. Katie, can I be heard? It's Terry C. Yes, thank you, Terry. Hi, I'm Terry C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey, and these paragraphs just bring to light one of my stories, a physical journey story as well as a spiritual journey story. And it dates back more than 20 years ago when I visited San Diego, one of my favorite cities, for the first time. And at that point, I was uh, working the steps, but I hadn't gotten to the action steps. And I was in a hotel room. I had gotten to my destination way ahead of my business meeting. And I was alone for the night. And um, food was still my master. And I just didn't want to be trapped in the room with food. There was all kinds of food around. And I looked for a meeting. And at that point, somebody carried the book that told you where all the meetings were. And I called back to New Jersey. And I found out where that meeting was that night, at that day. And uh, the night and the next morning, and I, I was very far from them. I wasn't close to them at all. I didn't understand the transportation system. So I got on my knees, and I prayed, and I called someone local that I had a number for, and they said, oh, if we could just get Roberta to help you, if we could just get Roberta to help you, and I assumed she was somebody local. And finally in the morning, I didn't care. I knew the meeting wasn't closed. I didn't know how I was going to find it, but I knew with God's help, I'd just get in the taxi, I'd pay whatever the amount was, and I'd get there. And I was at a very large hotel. Taxis were lined up in the dozens, and the taxi I jumped into, um, it seemed like a fellow with, with long hair was about to drive me, and when he turned around, I realized it was a she, and I gave her the destination, and she said, are you going to the meeting? And I said, you wouldn't be Roberta, would you? And my fellows, you know the rest is history because God shows up when we tap into him. And I went to that meeting with Roberta, and the fellowship was there for me. The alluring distractions of the road were something I was concerned about, and I'm grateful to say that ever since God's been showing me the miracles, and I'm grateful today to be recovered and actually having gone through those action steps, and today I can be useful as Roberta was useful to me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Terry C. Okay, Judith R., you'll take us out with two minutes, please. Oh, thanks, KDF. This is Judith R., gratefully recovered in Vermont. Um, someday we will, we hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find a fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. So I've been blessed enough to travel a bit. And when I was in Honduras, um, I was in a tiny little town, but I asked around and sure enough, there was an AA meeting and I went to it and the three or four men there found out that I was from away and they said, do you want to tell your story? And I said, sure, but... I'm from Overeaters Anonymous, and they said, ah, we've got mothers and daughters and aunts, and we want to hear about that. So I told them my story as best as I could in Spanish. And then another time when I was in Mexico, I was way out in the middle of nowhere, and there was a tiny little shack with the letters AA really big written mm -hmm. on the side. And I just felt so grateful and so happy. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Judith. Um, and we're right at 7.55. So thank you to everyone who shared today. Thank you who helped to make this meeting possible. Um, 
and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, November 27th, is 12,228. That's 12228. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Vinnie T. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Am I being heard? Yes, Vinnie. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service and for all of you who are allowing me to do this service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you and disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.